Welcome to Unraveling Midlife. I'm your host, Sarah Spence. Thanks for joining me as I explore my own midlife by speaking with inspiring people about theirs. This show overall was inspired by the midlife crisis, Western astrology transits, but it's not all about astrology. At the end of each episode, you'll hear a music track by me that links into the discussion in some way. The astrological transits I've mentioned are phases that everyone goes through in life, specifically starting in the mid-30s and through to the early to mid-40s. To dive deeper, check out the link in the show notes. Today we talk about another fascinating subject, dreams. Sarah Singer has been working with her dreams now for 25 years. She's a photographer, psychotherapist, interpreter, and works with women in need. Her photos feature stunning pictures of medicinal plants, another of her passions that you'll hear her mention. Sarah is from Mexico, and we met here in New Zealand after she attended my dream workshop at a festival at the end of the New Zealand summer earlier this year. Actually, it was so cold overnight. Let's be clear, it wasn't a summer festival. It was postponed because of COVID, and it was the middle of autumn. Side note, soon after this episode is released on the Leo New Moon in August of 2021, I am running an in-person dream workshop in the Bay of Plenty in Aotearoa, New Zealand. There also appears to be interest in running one online soon too. If you're interested, please sign up to my email list and contact me via my website www.saramalospence.com. I'd love to see you either in person or online. And now to talk about all things dreamy, Sarah Singer. Well, it's my great pleasure today to be talking to another Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Sarah Singer, and which uh, that was one of my nicknames at one point during university when I used to sing a lot. So it's a delight to meet someone with a with a connection with the name. How are you? I'm good. I'm very pleased to be here with you today. I mean, you've just come back from a holiday. You managed to escape the country to get some um, some warmer weather in the South Pacific. Uh, but that must have been a bit more reminiscent because you actually were born in a, a much warmer area than New Zealand where you currently are, weren't you? Yeah, well, I was born in Mexico City, and people think that all of Mexico is super warm. And Mexico City has a very stable temperature, I could say around 20, 25 degrees all year uh, round. And sometimes in the winter, it can drop like this time of the year, but maybe for two or three weeks. But the advantage of Mexico City is that it's dry so it's not super humid and you don't suffer from this heat like I was in the Cook Islands. It was so hot, but it was beautiful. That humidity and also um, yes. parts of New Zealand, like Auckland, is a lot more humid than some of the other parts that are drier. Um, but that's it. Thank you for illuminating. I haven't actually been to Mexico. Um, I've been overseas quite a bit, but not to that area. Um and you're here in New Zealand. We met recently over the topic of dreams. I was, uh, I'd just presented and facilitated um, a session on finding messages from your dreams. And it was just such a delight to have you approach me and just say, oh, hey, I was in, in your 
in your session and and I've been using dreams in my work. Can you tell me about your work and what you've been using dreams with? I have been recording my dreams since 1996 because I don't know why I just started recording my dreams. I think it was kind of part of my diary that I was writing a diary and so I was recording my dreams. And like for um in the 2000s, I went to a therapist and I was with her for four years and we used a lot of my dreams to work with. And actually, this is the way I separated from my ex-husband through listening to my dreams. And it was like four years ago that I decided to start doing something with my dreams. So I started playing with my dreams and putting them all in... Um, in the computer, you know, because I had a lot of uh, book notes with my dreams. So I started transcribing them in the computer and then started to play with my dreams. And it's just really amazing what comes up with them. And the, the main thing I can tell you is that my dreams today uh, are my oracle because in dreams, you don't have time or space. And many times just by reading a dream today, it will give me an answer for today, of a dream I had maybe 15 years ago. So it's really amazing all the information that dreams can, can give you and, and to know about myself. This has been an inner journey, a beautiful inner journey uh, with myself. And I would like to start sharing this with more people because we have a lot of messages through dreams and a lot of things that uh, we can retrieve from our dreams that we're not using, basically, like people don't don't know what their dreams can be good for. And what kind of tools, how did you start getting messages out of your dreams? Was it more of an intuitive feeling or did you use some tools and techniques like the ones that, that I shared um, at the festival where we met that we can talk about a little bit later? Or what was your journey with finding well, messages? Basically, I started getting information during my meditations on how to work with my dreams. So um, at the same time I started working with my dreams, I was creating affirmations and affirmations related to images, basically my own images because I am a, a photographer. So I, I, I was learning that the brain learns better with images than with words. So I was uh, doing that. So the message I receive is to start looking for, for these affirmations in my dreams or for certain words. Like, for instance, if one of my affirmations is I am love. So I looked for the word love in all of my dreams and I started obtaining sentences from different dreams and putting them together. And this creates a new story. And this new story is the message that we can receive. I, I love it. Excuse the pun. <laughs> um, yes. I have to find it fascinating having worked with dreams, not as long as you, um, but having worked with a specific dream method from your Shodra Ashram. It fascinates me how people's journeys with the dreams are all kind of on the same pathway, but just kind of come out in, in different ways. I find, yeah, the, the different messages and being able to drop into getting underneath the emotion because I know that some people can come with 
a dream or even a vision that really disturbed them. But if you can get under the, it's almost like sometimes the emotion is drawing the attention to the dream so that we have to look at it, even if there's an aversion. But then there's usually, there's always a really beautiful message of support coming through in some way, in my experience. Is that your experience too? Absolutely. And I have uh, realized that there are some, when writing the dream, for instance, when, when we write the dream, it, there's al- already a change, you know, because to really remember the, the dream, how it happened, words are not enough sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, these images or the sensations that we have in the dream, we cannot explain with words. So there we already lose something. But I have realized that there are some words in my own writing that reflect my own inner being And these are the words that I have to start exploring more because the house for me can represent something that is not necessarily the same for you. Although we have on universal meanings for the house, the the inner um, significance can be so different. And I think that the emotions that appear on the dream are basically what we are going through during the day in a way. It's a reflection of, of our um, state at that moment. But then these words combined with those emotions can give us a hint to, to have a, an answer to our own state at that moment. That's great. It really is reminiscent of Swami Shivananda Radha, who, whose dream method I've been working with, who started Yashodra Ashram. Uh, and a lot of what she says around that and with looking around um, other people offering dream work such as Tokapa Turner and um, I actually found a fascinating article the other day um, on someone who's done research into precognitive, precognitive dreams of identifying cancer in the body. Mm. Just there's so many amazing things that happen on on this level that we don't usually talk about in the day-to-day. Now, you've started reading uh, Swami Radha's book that the dream work that I share is based on. How are you finding that as you read through? Oh, I actually finished the book yesterday because I wanted to be ready for this conversation. And there are two things that are fascinating for me in this book. And the first one is um, that there is an exercise where she's saying, like, record at, at night, write down everything that happened during the day. And then you do this on Monday, you do this on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and you put it on an envelope. And then at the end of the week, you write again what you think that happened. And I found this exercise, I never heard about it, but it's amazing to really know how we distort things, you know, with our mind. And this is so important for psychology in general, because and basically with trauma and all these uh, circumstances that happen to us, that we have an experience, basically a traumatic experience. And then it's kind of like the, the data got stuck in a way that we are 
transforming it in different stories. So we are never really in the real story that happened to us. And this is very important for us to understand in order to heal that the story we are continually telling it ourselves is not really what happened. And so I find this uh, tool fascinating to, for us to understand how we are distorting the information of what really happened to us. And the other thing that I really liked, uh, it's another exercise, is um, to go to sleep. You sleep on the, in your left side and you open your left nostril and you imagine yourself full of light and you are repeating a mantra before going to sleep. And I also think that I, I have uh, dealt with many people with anxiety or sleeping problems. And I just started doing this since I read it. And it's, it's, it's so beautiful to go to, to that place uh, before going to sleep. I always and, have a, a little challenging sleeping on the, lying on the left side and trying to keep the left nostril open and, yes. and not start it getting filled because of gravity. <laughs> because usually when you, you're sleeping on the left side, the, the nostril that opens is the right one. Yeah. So, but, but still, I, I, I thought this exercise was mind-blowing for me. It was something completely new. And I appreciate you recommending this book because these two things. And basically, the first one, I think it's very important for people who have gone through trauma to understand that the story they're telling today of something that happened 20 years ago is not the same. Yeah, I've found that too. Um, I've been working with a, another different um, new advanced modality that often goes into early childhood and looking at those repressed beliefs and fears, but not looking at them from a mind. It bypasses the mind and, and transforms at a, a body cellular level. So it uses body and emotions um, and it's been quite fascinating. I, I've actually started to work with it in terms of dreams and I'm quite excited that the next time I'm sharing the dream workshop, it's not, it's, I'm going to use both sets of tools individually, but that just can bring so much more with, well, what is this dream here to, what is the message that it's giving me? So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I'm really, and I really love the book. I've, I've read several books about dreams. And I think that most books uh, tell the same thing, you know, take your dream and there are different kinds of dreams. And uh, But this book talks from, from the spirit and talks from very within herself. And I really, it, 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 it looks like she really has the experience of the dreams. And 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 she explains it in a more less theory and more practical way for me. I find that with Swami Radha and her dreams, in fact, I'm not even sure if it's in that book, but she has had written quite some others. Um, the ashram that she started in the 60s on the shore of Kootenay Lake in British Columbia in Canada there's a temple there. It's recently um, been rebuilt because it, it burnt down in 2013. But she dreamt of it. She dreamt of this temple in her childhood a couple of times as a teenager, and she would be walking towards it, and she would see it from these different views. And it was designed 
from her dream and then it was built from her dream um, and then more recently it was rebuilt from the dream but also with some extra um, bits and pieces to I think I think the acoustics are quite different now um, the it was a dome um, it, it still is a dome uh, but the acoustics the singing were very interesting in, in the old temple you could hear the person right across from you very clearly but not necessarily the people 90 degrees like on the on the other kind of non-corners <laughs> I was um, really su surprised with her dreams because her dreams are very clear my dreams are I have to decipher the code more, you know. My like dreams that. are not as clear as her. I, I can even picture her when I'm reading her dreams in the book. I can always imagine and picture her dreams as you were saying. You know, she dreamt with this temple and these circumstances, and it and and then it came true. I can see it when reading her dreams. My dreams are more are less uh, clear, I would say. So oh, I have to, to decipher and go deeper in, more into them. There, I don't have this kind of dreams where I see, I, ha I can have it more in my daydreams. I can imagine and I can fabricate these images, but not on my night dreams as she has. Do you, I mean, you've, I've seen your photography and, and it's stunning. Has your dreams informed your photography? You, you mentioned... Mm, I think that my photography is more inspired on um, medicinal plants that I have been taken. And mm. I think I, I have been more inspired with the colors and the circumstances that I have lived in these um, medicine experiences than with my dreams. You said medicine experiences. What does that mean? I, I, I'm calling medicine plants like ayahuasca and uh -huh. mushrooms. This, this guy, I, I would say they are also dreams. Uh, they are journeys to the unconscious and the, the universal unconscious, you know. So I can say that my photography is more inspired on that. Because I have dedicated, Sarah, most of my life to go inwards, whether with meditation, with daydreams, with medicine plants. This has been my journey most of my life. How has midlife and some of those, I sent you the dates of those kind of greatest fears and, and the big shakeup and, and some of those um, kind of key transits that, that happen for all of us. Um, did you find a correlation between some of those dates and like your dreams or your photography or, or what happened around those times? Absolutely, because the first date where the, my uh, fears appear, which is in my mid-30s, late 30s, is when uh, my daughter was born. Ah. And then in my early 40s, I got a divorce. I um, and I started uh, working again and I started studying, studying uh, photography and I started studying uh, gestalt psychotherapy. So my life completely changed. And I think that the main change in my life is that I, I was always a rebel since I was a, a teenager. But this is the time when I started to pay more attention to my inner voice. 
and to my own desires and to my own path. And I'm still doing this right now. You know, I'm here in New Zealand. My whole family is in Mexico. And there is a calling for me to go back to Mexico because I want to be with my loved ones. But there is a calling for my soul as well that I have to stay here in New Zealand and do whatever I have to do. And maybe the first thing I have to do is just talk to you today. You know? <laughs> So I, I think I started to listen to myself. I cannot say my life has been, I live a very stable life. I cannot say I've gone through a lot of trauma. I think my trauma comes from my father who lived Second World War and he was in Siberia in working camps. And I think this is basically my trauma comes from before. And I think that my trauma also comes from previous lives. You know, I, I, in my dreams, it appears a lot. I have been uh, raped and injured by men in, in my previous lives, and I have this in my dreams. So, but this life has been quite stable for me, quite smooth. I, I live a very simple life, and but I feel that it, as going back to your question, in my midlife, these changes started to happen to pay more attention to what I need instead of what the world outside me needs. And I think I'm here for a very good reason to listen to your words of wisdom. Because <laughs> I think you are exactly in that age when, yes. when I started to listen to myself. Yes. Uh, I, I, I kind of ponder this, right? I, I have these amazing conversations with people like yourself and then and outside of podcasts as well. And I hear this wisdom and I think, oh, this is great. And then potentially don't put that into practice and I'm, I study astrology and I know that there's these forces just like with those midlife transits we've been talking about and then all the other parts of the the natal chart and the different forces that are, are happening the influences um, sometimes potentially forceful if we're not open to them and and I think gosh I really want to I'd really like to know what I want to be and what I want to do when I grow up and you know here I am in my early 40s still kind of asking the question um, and then reflecting on what's happening uh, in terms of career with in the next year and a half in terms of astrology and I kind of I've almost feel defeated in that I'd like things to change I'd like to know I'd like to be able to put stuff into practice but maybe the universe just isn't ready to let me know and I just have to sit in this place of unknowing for some time until the knowing arises. Yeah. Can I tell you something? I think you're already doing it. Ah. And just having this conversation, you and I today, you are already doing it because I, I needed to express this to the world, what we're doing right now. And you are helping me. And this is what you are doing already. But sometimes, you know, I spend my life saying I do nothing. And I am a translator, a photographer, a psychotherapist. You know, I, I do all these things, but I feel I'm doing nothing. And people usually tell me, but you never stop, you know, and, and you're doing this. And, and I would like to tell you that what you're doing right now for me is huge. So you are already doing something. That's and, people tell me the same thing. <laughs> but 
you it seems like you don't believe it it seems like we always are dreaming of something bigger Patience. but but sometimes you know i have i have my clients in mexico I, let's say i have 10 clients in mexico and i always say well it's only only very little the number is very little but i forget that these 10 people have other 10 people they have an impact on and these other 10 people have all the 10 people they can impact. So yes, maybe it seems like we're doing nothing, but this is a ripple effect, you know? It's, it's going out even if it's only small. We have this idea that we have to be famous or big, but it's not true. Just by doing this, you're already doing me, uh, you're already helping me. And, and you might be helping others as well. We don't well, that's, know. That's the key. We don't know who's listening to this. So exactly. dear listener, remember that you are having an impact on the world with what you do. Exactly. Mm. No matter how small or big it is, it doesn't matter. Even if it's only one person, it's enough. It's worth our lifetime here, even if we impacted one person. Or we inspired, I would say, you know, we are inspiring each other. I think that's part of the reason I started a podcast. Um, I, I was, as well as studying astrology, I've got an interest in human design, which is different, has parts of astrology, but um, do Google that if you don't know about human design. Um, and, and, and I know that in my human design personal reading from my chart, she said, you'll have an impact on, on people, like a profound impact on people, but they might not necessarily be people you know. And so part of my creative project that I wanted to bring, and I thought maybe I would make more music and then make an album um, and then a podcast, then I get to, at least I get to crack jokes and be funny and talk, also talk about really interesting, varied topics. Um, and I thought, well, if I put out a podcast, I don't know who's listening to it. This conversation might have a profound reaching effect on someone that you or I will never meet. Exactly. And so will your music as well, you know, mm -hmm. because music is so soothing for the soul that you'd never know who's going to listen to your songs or your music and they will feel better with that. Mm -hmm. Or the, the words that you are conveying, it will make them feel better as well. So we never know. So that's why the idea is for you to be happy with what you're doing, no matter what is happening. I know that um, for anyone in their kind of like around that 40, give or take five years, um, that generation, my astrology teacher has said that uh, that we, those of us who were born with uh, the planet Uranus in Scorpio, where it's in its strength, we now Uranus is in Taurus, the exact opposite sign, hence Uranus opposition and when it gets to the certain kind of degree point that's three degrees either side of, of where it was when we were born that's that Uranus opposition and mine's a little late it um, doesn't really start for another year whereas people my friends that are four or five months older than me they're right in the thick of it just Uranus it's it's an erratic planet that's its theme and it goes forward and backward and forward and backward and, and, and roundabout quite <laughs> in, in a different not so linear um, way and it's she said that the Uranus and Taurus 
is really teaching us patience. We have to learn to be patient. And I remember thinking, but it's Uranus. I expected that I would that it would be erratic in a really fast way, but it's actually the exact opposite. Whereas that's why I dealing with this impatience and having to just well, especially at this time on the planet, there's a lot of being patient. Um, so I found that quite a surprise, really, because I thought it was going to be really intense. But it turns out it's Scorpio has that word intense associated with it. And, and Taurus has this kind of, it's about security and plodding, really, like the bull. So, yeah. Oh, so many fascinating things in life to reflect on. <laughs> And I think that as long as you are listening to your inner voice, what you have to do, mm-hmm. then the doors and the path opens. And then you just have to let it happen. Because I think what happens many times is that we want to control. And we want to control our future. But there's nothing to control. It's much better to live in the unknown because the unknown will give us surprises we never thought about before. And that's the beauty of it. But for that, we have to trust and to listen to ourselves and to listen to the signs, whether astrology or a movie or a book or music or this or a dream, basically. You know, there's so many signs that we can receive around us. And we, if we listen to that, then our life will unfold the way it has to unfold without having the need to control it. I love the dream method uh, that Swami Rada presents because it can be used not just on dreams, it can be used on visions, on events. I mean, what is it, the, the four agreements that opens, the book that opens in the first chapter, pointing out that life is a dream and that we all buy into society's rules and expectations in order to survive in this life and it's a great almost privilege to step back and see that it is but a dream and we don't know what the how the dream will unfold and we have to let it happen Mm -hmm. instead of controlling it because the moment we want to control it the dream disappears you know, it's like if you want to have, um, uh, I, I forgot how you call these kind of dreams. that Lucid dreams. dreams. Yes. And if you really want to control it, control it, it disappears. There are some hints, though. I mean, lucid dreams isn't my area of expertise. I don't know um, someone who, who she would run, run groups on lucid dreams. Oh, maybe I should get her on the podcast. Um, and... So she would run groups on on lucid dreams and I know that there were all sorts of things that you could do to train yourself into controlling the dream. So, I don't know, looking at your finger several times during the day and thinking some thought and then, you know, or, or, yeah, doing something with your hand and then training yourself in the dream to look at your hand so then figure out whether or not you're awake or dreaming. Have you tried any of that stuff? I have tried, but lucid dream is not my area at all. I have tried. I've been willing to do that. But I actually read on this book 
uh, about this Swami, she says that she doesn't recommend lucid dreaming. She says that we have to let the let the dream happen without controlling it. That was probably why I never quite got into it because I thought, well, how how am I going to get the hidden messages out of my dream if I'm controlling the dream? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what she says. You know, you are not open to receive the message. You are controlling it and making it happily ever after, you know? There's so many people that come to the dream workshops and they're so keen to talk about lucid dreaming. <laughs> yeah, because it's nice to fly. I have, I have, fly, uh, I've done the flying on my dreams and it's nice to fly. Yes. And how do you fly in your dreams? You know, I, I all of a sudden I'm flying and the only thing I'm doing in my dream is telling people, look, I'm flying, I'm flying. And then when I woke up, I said, damn it, that was a lucid dream. I should have used it to, to do other things. But the only thing I do is, oh, I'm flying. And then in one dream, I was flying and then I stopped flying and then I was trying to fly again. So I realized that, like, for instance, I tried to run and then take off like an airplane, but that didn't happen. So I have to kind of uh, let my body lie like this on on the air, and then it's horizontal I, on the air, and then it yes. and then you you don't move your limbs. You just the body just flies. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. when I fly in a dream, I do the breaststroke. Oh, I I breaststroke yeah, through the too. air. Me too. Oh, so you've been restroke as well. Well, yeah. any, anyone who who's listening who flies in dreams, um, maybe drop us a line because I'm really interested to see how different people fly in dreams. Yes, I do that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a nice experience, isn't it, oh, flying in the dream? It is beautiful. That's why I think it's fascinating for all of us and it's very exciting that because one of the beauties about dreams is that dreams have all the possibilities. And I think that us as human beings, one of the things that almost everybody would like is to fly. You know, I think if you ask somebody, what would you wish for? People would say to fly or teletransporting. Oh, that's my dreams. one, yeah. Yes, and in dreams, this is possible. So that's why I think we get so excited when we're flying. Because yeah. this is something we cannot do with our bodies. No, but I, th I, I really would vote for teleportation because you know what it's like when you've got 30 hours of travel and two or three different flights and the jet lag and everything. I just want to be there. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's possible. I think we as uh, human beings will be able to get there. But first we need to get rid of, uh, of the drama that we live on. And once we learn to use our minds, we will be able to teletransport as we will be able to do telepathy because telepathy is not about words. It's about energy. And the same thing with teletransporting. You know, supposedly there are people who are already doing this. I don't know exactly how, but uh, yeah, why not? I don't think they're going to be reported on the, in the mainstream media. Of course, not. of course not because this yeah. is a way of, of being free you know if, imagine if we can move without airplanes and without airports and w without immigration stuff oh and without so, vaccination passports and without uh, fossil exactly. fuels and without making a whole lot of big corporations a lot of money gosh that would be that would be awful wouldn't it <laughs> exactly. it's a whole industry going down to the drain so, of course, governments don't want this to happen. And then I can be in New Zealand whenever I want, you know? 
Oh, now yeah, that it, yeah. the borders are closed, I can I could come to New Zealand whenever I want. That would be fantastic. But yeah. not the government won't be happy with that. No, it, it, it is possible. Everything is possible. Everything we we think about, it's possible. And that's why the dreams are so important. Because we have to dream beyond our reality that we have today. And this is how people have come up with the airplane and with the other stuff that already exists because they're dreaming. Well, they say, well, I don't know if they say, but the impression I get is that the inventors of, I mean, they obviously work really hard on theories, but they get the inspiration from somewhere. I wonder how much of it was dreams, how much of it was us. They say that they're quite eccentric and mad, some of them too, like Einstein and all all the scientists were, well, who was it? My history is going to totally show up. Um, The, I mean, even the the Galileo, he's the one with the the round earth theory, right? And like nobody believed him for years and people were really awful and people come up with these theories and the rest of the world goes no you are mad and we'll cancel culture you um and then later it turns out with scientific proof that they were right so exactly and i think that einstein and all the quantum physicists know that imagination is a very important part of, I have uh, participated in Joe Dispenza's workshop and he teaches how to, to create with your imagination an object in your mind so then it will be materialized. You know, it, it's a combination of uh, higher emotion in your heart, but also imagining it in, in your face, in your face, in your head, in your mind, so it can materialize. Mm. And... I think that that's part of the dreams. That's part of the dream world. Whether we see it in a dream at night, whether we see it in a dream during the day, because we we have to understand that dreams are happening all the time. It's like our thoughts are our dreams in a way. And basically we're not aware of what we're thinking most of the day. And this, what we're thinking is what is creating our reality. And the important thing is to control this now is to control it and to, to be aware of what you are thinking and dreaming. So it, you can materialize it in the right way. Mm, and continuing to continuing to work on releasing any subconscious um, thought forms or beliefs or fears that that are getting in the way of that and that's what I'm doing work with at the moment and it's very freeing yes you yeah. can get you can get rid of those things that don't help you that uh, are obstacles and you can also retrieve the things that are information for you for you to have a better life mm. Mm. So are you convinced now that you are on the right path after this conversation? I want to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great reminder. Mind can just get in the way and like flick in those old habits of doubts when actually life is perfect as it is. It is. It is. Well, what are you... um, what are you doing in the future? Do you have anything inspiring you want to share? Anything else inspiring that you want to share with the world? Well, 
Um, I want to tell you that I was ready to go back to Mexico until I, my birthday is in April and I didn't do my solar return because I usually have my solar return read. Talking oh, about the astrology it. reading of your solar yeah. return. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of feeling I needed to go back home, but at the same time, I was feeling that I needed to stay here. So I talked to, to my astrologer and she told me, uh, you know, if I was a re- regular person, I would say, pack your things and go back home with your loved ones. But your chart is not saying that. Your chart is saying that you have to stay in New Zealand because there is a project for you here that you have to do with other people. And I have this feeling, Sarah, that uh, I have been working with women in Mexico. I have done some volunteer work here at the Women's Refuge and with women as well. And I think um, this is to be in New Zealand is the right place for me right now because of the beautiful energy and frequency that this place has in order to help other people in the world, basically women. This is my area where I have been working most. And and this is where I want to develop more whatever it is, maybe new things that I don't even know now, but to support these beautiful people around the world because I see my own loved ones and my friends and they are suffering really for the situation around the world with the COVID and the lockdown. Mm -hmm. And it's creating a lot of... um, damage to people and and I really would like to be able from here to help other people and to convey this uh, way of living that I have learned here in New Zealand for other people to to be inspired and basically to be connected to nature so this hopefully is going to be my future and the irony of course being that it's the technology that isn't necessarily so connected with nature that enables us to be able to communicate this so effectively as well and the importance of of being able to be in nature. I know when I don't get out and then I finally do, oh, what have I been doing? Why have I been inside? I mean, it's the middle of winter at the moment. (laughs) Just going out for a walk for an hour between rains, you Mm -hmm. know. In the rain. Yeah, or in the rain, which is also beautiful, and in the mud and in the dry, whatever. It's just connecting with the birds, with the trees, with the soil. It's so important for for our well-being. Oh, and every so often I get flashbacks to the middle of winter and the snow in Canada and the moon reflecting off all the snow, and I think, oh, wow, wouldn't it be great to go back to the snow well you can go to the south island yeah yeah there's a difference between dry western canadian snow inland and new zealand wet snow that um you try and go skiing and it's ice (laughs) and there's no tree skiing i ended up having a conversation about skiing with someone the other day okay people are off to the mountain um which must sound weird for those people in the Northern Hemisphere who are out and about and not really, possibly not listening to podcasts so much at the moment because it's summer and you can finally get out and out and about and do things. Yeah. But I think mm. that the the most important thing for me to convey to people outside New Zealand is to get in touch with nature and start growing their own food and start really connecting 
Wow. So with dreams and astrology and uh, being in nature and you'll continue your photography, no doubt, how can people get in touch with you? I think basically through my email, I'm on Facebook as well. Yeah. And you've got your photography website too, don't you? I can put that yes, in the show I notes. Photography website, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, that's basically it. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming and uh, coming to New Zealand so that we could meet and have this conversation and drill into dreams and astrology and, and nature and you've inspired me. I think I will go for a walk now. It's not raining right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful day here, actually. Right. Wow. Thank you so much. Let us continue to inspire others and remember that we are exactly where we need to be on the right track. Thank you. Thank you so much. Today we touched on life appearing as a dream, referencing the book The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Eastern teachings talk about Maya, the illusion, the veil, which I understand to mean is the dream that is life. The dream method that Swami Radha taught, which is a large part of the dream workshops I run, can also be used on real life events and visions as well as dreams to uncover messages specifically for the dreamer. The song today relates to dreams both by its lyrics and that the chorus came to me when I read, for an umpteenth time, the quote on a card that Swami Radha's retreat and study centre in Western Canada, Yashodra Ashram, they gave it to me when I left after living there for nearly a year. It's a Hafiz poem. Translated by Daniel Ludinsky. The verses are made up from another Hafiz poem, also translated by Daniel Ludinsky, and a Rumi poem translated by Coleman Barks. Thanks to both of them for allowing me to use their translations. Here is Awake My Dear, the version from my 2015 album under artist name Prem Ratna. Awake, my dear, be kind to your sleeping heart. Take it out into the vast field of light. Let it breathe. Awake, my dear, be kind to your sleeping heart. Take it out into the
Take it out into the vast fields of light and let it breathe. Awake, my dear, be kind to your sleeping heart. Take it out into the vast fields of light and let it breathe. Out beyond, ideas of Travelling Midlife is brought to you from Aotearoa, New Zealand by www.sarahmarlowspence.com Theme music is by Sarah Marlow Spence and Saraswati Marie Willis and art by Samantha Hepburn.